You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Today we are going to talk about the way of the cross. And I believe this is a message that can challenge our hearts, reorient us to the direction that God would have us go for us as a congregation to begin to believe again and with all of our hearts that we can do all things in Christ, that his cross can make all things possible. So will you stand with me as we stand next to the precious cross of Christ? And I want you to hear what Jesus says to the crowd. Hear his words and let these words shake you and shape you. And calling to the crowd, To him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. And then verse one of the next chapter, chapter nine. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Let's pray. God, we want to experience your glory and your power today. And we know, Lord, that that is only possible because of your cross. May your spirit begin to move in this room. And I pray, Lord, that wherever we are established, wherever we have grown cold, wherever, Lord, we have grown satisfied, that you will shake us today. That our hearts will long for you, Lord, for the warmth of your presence, for the heartbeat that drives us forward to win a world to you. And so, God, help us find the way of the cross today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the very first words that, that came to my mind... I wrote them down. In fact, I got up and didn't have my contacts in, so I probably misspelled a few words. But the sentence that just got all over my heart was, the only path for our soul is the way of the cross. The only path for my soul, for your soul, for our souls is the way of the cross. And God began to take that one little sentence and I began to think about the cross of Jesus Christ I knew today that I would be exhorting you, that I would be begging with you and pleading with you to discover, maybe for the first time, but for many of you to rediscover the way of the cross. And I began to think about the cross of Jesus Christ and how, how, what it stands for and what it represents and how it has changed my life. And one of the things that came to my mind as I was meditating on this were, were just the many sins that have plagued my heart over the years, the many times that I have failed God and fallen short of the glory of Christ. And yet, even though I'm aware of my 
my many failures, I still from time to time when I run into uh, someone or I hear a story about someone who's uh, committed some terrible atrocity or is, is clearly living a life that's apart from the gospel, a life of sin, it's so easy for me to be judgmental, to, to forget how much I've been forgiven And one of the things that God began to reveal to me as I was thinking about the way of the cross is, is that beneath the cross, in that that sacred space where the blood of Jesus spilled out, where the blood of Jesus drops from the cross and it it spreads on the ground around him, I, I realized that that is common ground for common sinners. That each and every one of us, we are on common ground when we're nearest to the cross. Because every single one of us are completely and utterly dependent upon the saving grace of Jesus that comes to us through the cross. Our witness in this community and for the kingdom of God in the world is not going to be strong until we remember the power of the cross and the power of the blood of Jesus that saves us from sin and gives us the power to overcome the darkness. Church, we need to remember the way of the cross. In this passage of scripture, Jesus is saying, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is a very big if. If, if anyone would come. Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, but if you'll notice in the passage of scripture here, if you look closely at verse 34 and calling the crowd to him, the crowd was there too. There were many people there that were not necessarily followers of Jesus Jesus is, yes, he's calling those uh, that are his leaders, the, the apostles here, the disciples. He's calling them to carry their cross. But I want you to remember and I want you to realize that this, this, this uh, exhortation was to a crowd. I think that many of us, we expect that our leaders, our pastors and our deacons are, are carrying the cross, that they're going the way that God has called them to go, that they, they understand that. But I am crying out to you, the crowd, and saying, we are all called to carry our cross. Jesus is not asking just a handful of us to carry this burden, but every single one of us have been granted this glorious challenge to carry the cross and to follow Jesus. We need a fresh wind to blow in our church. We need a fresh wind and a fresh fire to go through the churches of Springfield and the churches in America and the churches around the world. We do not have the luxury to wait. We do not have the luxury to sit in debate. We do not have the luxury to think that it's someone else's job. We are called to pick up the cross and follow Jesus. And church, I I want to be that church. I want us to be that church. I want Ridgecrest Baptist Church. I want to see all the churches of the Missouri Baptist Convention. I want to see all the churches that are preaching the true cross of Jesus Christ. I want to see something different in our age. I want to see us becoming salt and light. I want to see us filled with the spirit of Jesus so that the world can hear this gospel message. The world will only come to Jesus When those who claim to be filled with Jesus start living like Jesus. 
Many in here in this room, many of us in this room together today, we say that we have Jesus in us. And I'm just going to say this. I, I, I believe that's true for me. That's my testimony. I believe that Jesus is in my heart. And I'm asking God to help me to show that, to, to let that, that spirit of Christ in me to be more visible in everything that I do, not just my actions, but my words. You see, we need that kind of power in the church today a kind of power that's going to really make us different. Sadly, too often, the, the course of our lives, the way that we are living our lives is so similar to the rest of the world. But we need to be a light in the darkness. This passage today is radical, radical stuff. It gives us radical thoughts that, that we, I've got to be honest with you, I told Johnny, I don't do this very often. I write these sermons weeks in advance and I, I'll, I'll edit them and change them around a little bit as I get closer. But this morning I got up and just had to change it all around because I have to be honest with you, if I had to give you the critique why it needed to happen that way is because what I was going to say wasn't nearly as radical as what Jesus is actually saying. I watered it down. I was trying to make it more, you know, user-friendly. And, and you know what? Yeah, exactly. Someone groaned. I agree. I, that's, that's what my spirit was doing all last night. I was groaning in the spirit because we cannot allow these radical, beautiful teachings of Jesus to just be watered down, to try to make them fit a culture that, that, that has told us to be silent in our faith, that we can have faith in this room and in our homes, but we can't have our faith in, in the secular sphere. We can't have our faith out there in the real world. Listen, we need to listen to the words of Jesus and not to the words of our culture. And we need to be a people filled with Jesus going out they're winning people to Jesus because we believe in the power of Jesus. This passage is beautiful. I'm sorry. It's not telling us, it's not calling us to think about what we're going to uh, get. It's telling us what we ought to give. And it's not talking about a, a checkbook kind of answer here. It's talking about us giving our lives. Giving all that we have to die rather than not serve and live for Jesus. The world today, today we, even in church, we talk so much about, about leadership, what it means to be a good leader. But the predominant theme in the scripture is not about leadership as much as it is servanthood. You see, the Bible's not calling us to be leaders in the community He's calling us to be servants in the community and that actually leads people to faith in Jesus. When we are serving one another and we are serving the people around us, that is leading people to Jesus. But what we tend to do is we tend to think of our job, my job in particular, that I'm some CEO, that I've got to read all the latest leadership books, that I've got to run this uh, church like I would run a company or a business. Listen to me. I am tired of that mentality in the church. I'm tired of having bought into that lie. And I want us to not be leaders as much as we are servants because what we're called to do is help people find Jesus, and we're only going to do that if we serve them with all of our heart. To follow Jesus is hard. We need to die for him rather than live for ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a man who did die for his faith, he died in the waning days of World War II. He boldly stood against Hitler and his hatred. He said this, when it comes to the power of God, he says, it is only because he, Jesus, became like us that we can become like him. 
Now listen, Jesus came to this earth and he was uh, made a human. He was, he, he was a human being. He came as a human being into this world. The incarnation is the beautiful picture. It's a mystery. And, and even with words, we mess up. We misspeak sometimes. But Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. But what's interesting about that, he, he kind of steps down so that he can live for us and die for us. But the other side of that equation that Bonhoeffer rightly brings out is, is that he has shown us how to live. He became one of us and he died for our sins, but he also shows us how to be servants, how to be the church that we are called to be. And it all goes by way of the cross. We have to understand the cross if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be. And when we look at the cross, we know what the cross means. It means death. And that's my first point for us this morning. The Lord is calling us to come and die. These verses, verses 34 and following, 34 through 37, as we're focusing on that for just a moment, follow what we discussed last week. We see Jesus and his disciples are having conversations about the end of Jesus's ministry. Peter has heard Jesus say very clearly that that Jesus is going to die. He's going to be abused and neglected and rejected and he's going to die but he's going to rise again. And and that's the message that Jesus tells his disciples. They don't like that message. They don't want to hear such a message. And they begin to dwell on the things of man, verse 33 told us, instead of the things of God. The more I've thought about that since we talked about it last week, I think that is the problem with the church today is that over time, over two millennia, what we have constantly done, not just uh, more ancient traditions than ours, but even in Baptist tradition, which only has four or 500 years of, of like hard history, what we can say is, is that over time, it is easy for us to substitute uh, the things of man for the things of God. In other words, we begin to try to do the church ministry and we try to experience God in a way that's more us than what God's word says. That's one of the reasons why I felt like this morning I had to to rethink this passage and to realize that nothing that Jesus is saying here is something that a human being would say. Now, one of the reasons that's true is because Jesus says very clearly here to take up your cross He is telling us to deny ourselves. He is telling us that if we would save our lives, verse 35, those are the ones who will lose it. But whoever loses their lives for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, they will save it. No human being can say such a thing unless they understand the power of God unto salvation, the power of God unto resurrection. You need to remember that Jesus is calling us to die, but he knows that he has that ace up his sleeve, so to speak, which is the resurrection. He knows when he is calling us to die, whether that is in a a figurative sense, dying to our sins, or a literal sense to die physically, we need to know that the power of life and resurrection is in Jesus's hands. He is calling us to do something radical. He is asking us if we are willing to truly make Jesus himself our all. You see, we are here today to celebrate the life of a man who lived a relatively short life by modern standards, who died a not so relatively nice death, a very violent death on a Roman cross. 
When he speaks of us carrying a cross, when he speaks of that in this context, he is using radical language. These people who would have first read this gospel were people who had watched such a thing, watched people carry their cross to their place of execution. And so when Jesus says this, this is not something that they are unfamiliar with like you and I are unfamiliar with. None of us, other than what we've seen displayed in a movie or or dramatized in some way or another in a play, we have never seen a crucifixion. We have never seen the horrific, splint, the, the hor- horrific spectacle that is a crucifixion. When Jesus is calling us to do something here, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't speak in mild terms. He speaks in very violent terms. And he speaks in such a way, I believe, because Peter is about to make a huge mistake. He's about to soften the gospel. He's about to try to make Jesus into a friendly teacher who can give us what we need and make us feel good about ourselves. These are the things of man, not the things of God. As Jesus is speaking here, he is going directly against what we all have, biologically speaking, uh, kind of hardwired into our DNA, which is that uh, instinct of self-preservation. You have just drilled into your DNA this drive to preserve self, to to make sure that you're okay. Now, we would say also that I think that it's kind of driven in us that not only do we have this this reflexive, uh, defensive kind of capability built into us biologically, but we also, once we're safe, we try to advance. We try to, you know, save up or, or make ourselves stronger or get ourselves in a position of greater strength. That's just human nature. So first, human nature is I have to preserve my life. Secondly, human nature is I'm going to make sure that I get a nest egg, that I provide for the future, that I advance myself, that I make sure that I can uh, have something to fall back on, on for me and my family. Those are all things that, that we would say are very natural. And what Jesus has to say to us in these few verses is thus very unnatural, very opposite. It's interesting to me that it would almost seem as though Jesus is saying that that biological instinct that I said is kind of driven down deep in our DNA, it seems to be more a product of the fall than anything else. That what has happened is, is that over time, we have allowed ourselves to think that when we're acting in self-interest, that automatically means we're acting in the interest of God. And this is why today, There is a powerful poison in the system of evangelical churches where people are saying that it's okay to go to God and say, you owe me money, you owe me prosperity, you owe me peace, you owe me happiness, you owe me all these things. The reason why is because what we've confused is this idea of what God's will is and what matters most to him with what we want and what what matters most to us. When Jesus is calling us to come and take up the cross and, and go with him, what he's saying is, is that natural instinct to preserve self, to, that natural instinct to advance self needs to be killed off. It needs to die so that we can see that the greater priority is Jesus's will. Notice that Jesus speaks of denying oneself. This word represents saying no to what we want. No to self, turning away from the idolatry of self 
self-centeredness. That's what it means to deny. When Jesus says it there in verse 34b, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Those who are Christ followers are people who are willing to deny all those things that lead towards selfishness and self-centeredness. For the church to become the church, we have to die to self-centeredness so that Christ can truly be our Lord. There is not room in your heart for you to be the Lord along with the Lord who created you. There isn't room for two. And we're all going to have to decide. I have shared with several uh, close friends and in conversations in the last few weeks One of the things that uh, I've been studying are the the desert fathers of the early church. And these are guys that like went out into the desert and climbed up on pillars and stayed up there, which I don't recommend. I don't know that that would be a good lifestyle for you. Those of you who are complaining about the weather here in Missouri, don't try that. Okay. You're not ready for that. And haven't you ever, like, if you read about the the monks or even the nuns in history and those uh, who were uh, taking that very harsh lifestyle and you say, man, why would people do that? The very fact that we ask the question, I have discovered, means that we we really don't understand what we're up against. The reason why people would go out into the middle of the desert is because they were trying with all their might to keep from sin destroying their souls. And they would rather go climb up on a pillar if they thought that would keep them from sinning against Christ They would rather do that than stay in society and all the comforts that surround us and and, and be a person whose soul is decaying day by day. How many of us are willing to pay a price of any sort so that we could know more of God's holiness? And the reason why we, many of us, we look at those in, in, the, in the history of the church who've gone off and gone away and we look at them and we, we don't understand it is because I don't think we realize how often we are being assaulted and assailed by Satan himself. By how many times our minds are darkened by the evil that is in this world instead of being enlightened by the power of the gospel. We need to die to self. I'm not calling us to to go out into some desert or off into the mountains of the Ozarks. I guess that would be the closest thing to the desert we have here. I'm not asking you to go climb up in a tree somewhere south of here between here and Arkansas. I'm not asking you to do that. What I am saying is this. You better watch out for those sins in your heart. And you better realize that those sins that are here and here are deadly And they're keeping you from the commitment to Christ. Too many of us have heard the voice of our culture which says, follow your heart. And many of us know instinctually that that is wrong and yet that's what we do. So many of our decisions are more based on what our hearts are telling us than what Jesus' word so clearly says. Jesus is calling us to die to ourselves, but that's not a popular message. Friends, you, you cannot worship the cult of self and be a Christ follower. Jesus is asking you to be more. The church uh, has for generations understood this. It has been stated various ways. If there be no cross, there can be no crown. Uh, One person said, no cross, no crown is is a simpler way to think of that. 
Friends, we, we want the glories of heaven. I understand that each one of us, and I want to tell you, by the grace of Jesus, by the salvation that is in his name, we can have eternal life. But I am crying out and I am clamoring as a pastor of this church, as a, as, as a person who wants to see God move, I want to see the glories of heaven begin to invade this world. Because I believe that happens when the church is dying to self and living 100% for Jesus. We can bring the glory of Christ down and we can see many people who are right now blinded by their darkness. We can help them see the light of Christ and find not just happiness, but joy. To find something rich and deep and meaningful in life. A purpose. So many people are living without purpose. And I'll tell you why. Because they don't have the cross. Many people do maybe have a purpose and they could give you their purpose statement. You know, organizations have purpose statements. I know some people have purpose statements. But if that purpose statement is all about you advancing, getting the the next big job, you having a bunch of money, you having a, a lot of material things, listen, all you've done is made those things your idol. We need to have a purpose and the purpose must be the cross that requires a reckless abandon for God. Paul certainly had it. And if children, then heirs, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That's Romans eight seventeen. He understood that as the children of God, we must suffer with Christ. If we want to be glorified, if we want heaven, if we want to know his glory in this world, we must suffer with him. We need to make sure that we are not building up treasures in this world and yet losing what lasts forever. Mark chapter eight, verse 35 is so clear. What are we investing in? Are we still living the old life of sin rather than the new life in Christ? This is a message of come and die. This is the message that we find in the deeper veins, the deeper, deep, deeper minds, if you will, of Christian poetry and hymnody. When, we, when we're reading those who have dug deep into the word, you will note that they are always talking about the dying of the self so that we can live for Christ. A modern or semi-modern example, Jim Elliott, many of you know the story of this martyr for missions. He was quoted as saying, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I give you that very, very well-known quote for this reason, because here is a man who is following the way of the cross. Let me give you another example from a famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther implores us, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. There is a man who is, in all of his faults, because we all have faults, in all of his faults, he is walking in the way of the cross. And again, Bonhoeffer, I've already told you that he was a martyr. But in his book, Cost of Discipleship, he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Bonhoeffer wrote this, not knowing that he would be a martyr, that he would literally come and die. But I believe that God had revealed this truth to him 
so that he could be the martyr that he was destined to be. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, let me tell you, he understood the way of the cross. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These words of Eliot and Luther and Bonhoeffer and Paul, if you really listen to them again, and I know most of these, if not all of these quotes, we've heard them before. These are, these are not obscure quotes. These are quotes that we often hear. But I wonder if those, if we would listen again to what we just heard and what we would realize is that to modern ears, those are strange words. Because what those words are calling us to do is not prosper in any physical, material, biological sense. It's calling us to die so that we can know the full life that is in Christ. We, many, many people in our land have sold out to the material and forsaken the spiritual. We have sadly allowed ourselves to be compromised. And Jesus is saying, come and die. Jesus came to save the world. Do we believe this? Do we believe that he came to be our savior? If so, then death must precede life. We cannot water down what Jesus says. We must become the spirit-filled, cross-bearing, Christ-exalting church before it is too late. The last point I want to make, it's just on two verses, and I'll be quick here, but shame or glory, those are our choices. You'll notice that verse 38 is, is, is a passage that, that really gets to the heart of, of, of our evangelism. And one of the reasons why perhaps we don't share as we should, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now notice this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he is making a point to, to draw out the reality that they're going to be speaking in an adulterous and sinful generation. But every generation is adulterous and sinful. And we cannot afford to be ashamed. If the apostles had been ashamed, if the disciples had been ashamed, then we wouldn't be Christians today. And there's a whole future crop of, of, of baby Christians, I think, that are depending on us to not be ashamed of the gospel. We have to begin to ask God for the power that we're lacking, for the boldness that is missing. We need to ask God to help us walk in the way of the cross so that we can have a kind of power that the church has been missing for many generations. I can't think of one historian that would say that we've really had a nationwide or big time worldwide revival in well over a hundred years. There hasn't been one of those earth shattering and shaking revivals in a long, long time. And so friends, it is time for the people of God to cry out for the power of God, to give us the strength and the courage to not be ashamed, to take this message everywhere. Your conduct in the here and now determines Jesus's conduct toward you in the hereafter. This is the simple message of verse 38, that there really is something to be said for how we live for Jesus. We want to make sure that we are living for him 
that we are not ashamed of Jesus, that we are expressing the hope we have in the gospel that people hear us say that Jesus is the only way. Shame or glory, which is it? Jesus is coming again. Verse 38 tells us that he will come in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Now let me just kind of wrap it up like this. The apostles were not any different than you and me. They were, they were full of fear. They made mistakes. They needed strength from on high. And the only way Jesus knew to give them the strength they needed was to open their eyes to the reality of his own glory. Next week, we're going to talk about the Mount of Transfiguration. And you see in verse one of chapter nine, Jesus says this. He says, you know, before you guys die, you're gonna see the fullness of the power of the glory. And I think that's a direct reference to verses two through 13, which tells us of the Mount of Transfiguration where these men saw the power and glory of God. And because they saw the power and glory of God, because they experienced the true glory of God, they were able to give their lives for Jesus. They were able to spread the gospel all around the world. Listen to what Peter says much later in his life. In 1 Peter chapter um, 1, he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. They experienced the glory of God. That gave them the power of God. And that gave them the ability to die even for Christ. So someone might say this morning, well, if I saw Jesus transfigured, if I saw him in the fullness of his eternal glory, maybe I would have more boldness. Listen to what Peter says in verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a, light, a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. The meaning of those passages is pretty clear. Peter says, listen, I got to see Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, but you have something just as good. And that is the witness of scripture pointing you to the glory of Jesus. We have the glory of God revealed to us in scripture and we need not be ashamed. Paul says in Romans 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We need to start claiming verses like that and living verses like that. These passages of scripture that we've read today bid us to come and die. He asks us to give our all because he is a God like no other. I want to bring you back to the cross for just a moment. Our only path forward, our only way forward is the way of the cross. This morning it became so real to me, so clear, that I am completely dependent on the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. You and I stand on common ground there. You need the blood of Jesus. It's the only way that you will experience a defeat of the sin in your heart. So I'm not asking you to do something different than me. I'm asking you to come with me. Come to me right now in this altar. Come on common ground with me. Because you and I, we, all of us, we need the cross to save us. 
The way of the cross is the only way to salvation and it is the only way to live ministry, to do what God's called us to do. The way of the cross is it. And don't be ashamed of that. Right now, if the Lord is convicting you that you need to receive Christ, come. If he's convicting you that you need to be baptized, come. Quit making excuses for the clear teachings of Christ in the scriptures. Come to Jesus. Find him. He is here today. Receive him. The way of the cross is our only path. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.